Another one? he wondered, the sense of dread as great as anything he had ever experienced. On his way back from his only trip to the beach all summer, Detective Joe Dartelli heard the call come over the radio and sat through the better part of a green light before someone had the good sense to honk and awaken him from his moment of dread. The code was for a suicide. Not that the codes did any good. The local press monitored these frequencies like suckerfish clinging to the belly of the shark, and they knew every code could interpret even the slightest inflection. But it was the added word, flyer, that caught Dottelli's attention. A jumper. Another one. By the time he reached the front of the downtown Hartford Granada, the patrol personnel had already run the familiar tape around the crime scene, holding a few morbid curious at bay and two impatient news crews. They were lucky. At 11.30 at night, the downtown core was virtually deserted. The insurance executive set stayed out of the city at night unless there was a function. Better, the late news had already ended, making this tomorrow's news. Natelli spotted an unmarked Ford Taurus cruiser clumsily parked near the front, and a black step van that Dartelli recognized immediately as Teddy Bragg's evidence collection van. Stenciled across its back doors were the words, Hartford Police Department, Forensic Sciences Division. Calling Bragg's detail a division was a bit of a stretch, given that it consisted of only two people. But maybe that made the public feel better about their tax dollars. Dartelli double-parked the eight-year-old red Volvo 245 wagon and left the emergency flashes going and flipped around the visor with the paperwork that identified the car as one belonging to an HPD detective so that it wouldn't be sighted or towed. He climbed out of the air-conditioned comfort into a soup of nearly unbearable heat and wicked humidity. He wore a pair of blue Madras Bermuda shorts loafers with no socks, and a white golf shirt from Scotty's Landing, a fish and chips joint in Coconut Grove, Florida, the souvenir of a vacation long in the past. The patrolman at the door didn't recognize him and tried to shoo him away before Dartelli's police ID gained him passage. Good evening, sir, the patrolman said apologetically. Joe Dartelli nodded, though there was nothing good about it at all. An African-American spread out on the sidewalk, the media closing in. He clipped his ID to the collar of the shirt. Who's on it? Dartelli asked. Kowalski, the patrolman answered. The detective nodded again. Figures, he thought. When shit went bad, it rarely hesitated to go all the way. Fifth floor, the patrolman informed him. He heard an ambulance's approaching siren climbing in the distance, rising in both volume and pitch, as if it might arrive in time to save the cooling remains that filled the cheap suit, spread out, bloodied and disfigured on the sidewalk. A body bag in the coroner's wagon was more like it, and even then a shovel and hose were going to be needed. August in New England. He had never seen any tourist brochures bragging about it. 
He approached the elevator with a sour stomach that had nothing to do with the hot dog and mustard that he had called lunch. His stomach was instead the result of a toxic combination of fear and guilt. Another one. He felt an unyielding pressure at his temples, delivering an unrelenting splinter of pain that felt as if it pierced the texture of his brain. He recalled the last suicide that he had attended three years ago, and the resulting investigation, and he felt dizzy enough that when the elevator car moved, he reached out for the railing to steady himself. I did my job, he reminded himself, recalling the death that the paper had quickly dubbed the Iceman. It had been a disgusting winter of seventeen ice and snowstorms, two blizzards, and a ten-day period when the mercury never crossed five above zero in March.